The gospel that you heard this morning is from the gospel of St. Mark. It's the second in the order in which the gospels are given in the New Testament, but it is in fact the oldest gospel. It is the shortest gospel. And in many ways it's very succinct and to the point. And that's why it's chosen for us on this second Sunday in the Advent season, the time of watching, a time of preparation. John, uh, Mark begins his gospel very dramatically and very simply. He says, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The operative word there, of course, is the beginning. This is a start to which we're all invited. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The evangelist that followed Mark gave us more information and their Gospels follow a little different format. Matthew begins his Gospel, since it's written for the Jewish people, with a genealogy, tracing Jesus all the way back to Adam. And then he introduced us to John the Baptist, who strangely appears in the desert, calling people to a new beginning, to repentance. Luke begins his gospel with the birth of John the Baptist, who is a cousin of Jesus Christ, and lays out that relationship for us, and then gives us some information of Jesus' private life during those 30 years before he appeared to begin the good news of the gospel. John, who was the last to write the gospel, some 75 years after the events that he records, is aware of how much people need to know about this Jesus Christ and his relationship to the Father and to us. And John takes us all the way back to the first beginning, to Genesis, and reveals to us that Jesus Christ, before he assumed the body of a man and the nature of mankind, existed before the beginning of time, and was together with the Father during the time of creation. And all of these together invite us to open our hearts and our minds to the unveiling of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and allow that good news to affect our lives. Probably the majority of you sitting in the congregation this morning are lifelong Christians. 
and the events that I've just recounted for you are not at all unfamiliar. And you are aware of that. That knowledge is in your head. But what the second Sunday of Advent calls us to do with the emphasis on a new beginning is to allow that knowledge that you have in your head to make the long and difficult trip, journey, to the heart. So that this knowledge that you have and this understanding can be a part of who you are and lead to action. That you would do things. Live that faith, that good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This morning, the great prophet Isaiah, who is our prophet, Old Testament prophet, during the Advent season, and who will talk to us again next Sunday, calls us to do just that, to a new beginning to a repentance. Isaiah this morning speaks to us from a very painful place in his life. He is in exile in Babylon. He has been taken with his people from the city of Jerusalem and from Israel, which was left destroyed by the Babylonian Empire and taken into captivity. And in that captivity, he reminds the people that God has not forgotten them. And God is going to give them another chance. They are going to have another beginning. And so he cries out to them, comfort, comfort my people. He says, the Lord has not forgotten you. And he is going to make up for all the difficult times that you have had. Because your unfaithfulness is being forgiven. And you are being offered another chance. And of course the rest of the Old Testament tells us that great story of Israel coming back from captivity. And going back to build the walls of Jerusalem and the temple of God. And to restore their land. Because God has given them a new beginning. The other prophet who speaks to us during the Advent season, of course, is John the Baptist, the New Testament prophet. And he will speak to us again next Sunday as well. Because he is calling the people of Jesus' time to repentance. And through the living word of the gospel that has been recorded by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he calls us to that repentance today. And his words are just as meaningful and just as vibrant today in 2011 as they were in 30 A.D. And the invitation that he calls us to is as real today as it was then.
You know, an interesting thing about John is that for almost 2,000 years, he's been a bit of a mystery to the church. He just, as the gospel laid out, suddenly appeared seemingly from nowhere in the desert, appointed by God to call people to repentance, to call them out of Jerusalem and out of Judea and to come into that desert place and to step down into the Jordan River and to wash away all of their past and to open themselves up to a new beginning. It was after the Second World War in the late 40s when a Palestinian shepherd boy seeking refuge from a storm found his way into a cave in the barren deserts of Judea. And there in that cave, deep in the recesses, he found a multitude of clay jars huge urns filled with scrolls. And it turns out that all of those scrolls through the scientific knowledge that we had in the 40s and the 50s and today, that all of those ancient scrolls could be opened and could be read. And the treasure that was found in that cave were 2,000-year-old scrolls of the Old Testament and the prophecies of Isaiah. And in comparing those scrolls of 2,000 years ago to the Bibles that you and I read today, they found no discrepancies that God had guided the people of this world who had copied those manuscripts time after time to be faithful in their accuracy of recording God's Word. And what we are reading today in our Bibles is the same thing that was heard by John the Baptist and the people of his day 2,000 years ago because God wants that word to be preserved and delivered to us intact and authentic because it is a living invitation from God to new beginnings. And among those scrolls, they found information about a part of Jerusalem's history, of Israel's history, that was pretty much unknown to us until that time. The scripture talks about the Pharisees and the Sadducees who were the political parties who tried to interact with their Roman conquerors and to try to maintain peace and order in their communities. But through those scrolls we found out that there was another very powerful political and religious group in ancient Israel that dates back almost a hundred years before Jesus Christ came on the scene. And that was a group of people who realized that with all of the wars that they were going through, the Babylonian captivity, the Assyrian captivity, the attacks from Egypt, 
Uh, and, and then uh, 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 the Grecian Empire coming and, and subjecting them. They believed that those were signs that it was time for the Messiah to come. And so they separated themselves from the activity of the cities and they retired into the desert. And there in the desert they studied Isaiah's scroll and all of the messianic prophecies and all of the Old Testament. They studied, they prayed, they lived a life of preparation and commitment to God in order to prepare themselves for the coming of the Messiah. And they would venture out from time to time in the desert area to call other people to repentance. And that's where John the Baptist, in all probability, was raised. And that was the party that he belonged to. And that was the commitment that he took upon himself because God prepared him to be the witness to Jesus Christ, his cousin. And so when John appears in the desert, it's not just a mysterious apparition. He's not just coming out of nowhere, but God has carefully prepared him in the community in which he lived to receive the word of the coming of the Messiah. And there he was to call us to repentance. And as he called the people then, and as they streamed out from every walk of life, Pharisees, Sadducees, tax collectors, sinners of all kind, average people from the communities, they came out and they listened to John's call to repentance. And the Gospels account for us how so many of them accepted that call, immersed themselves into the Jordan River as a symbol of their desire to wash away their past and open themselves up to the coming of the Messiah and to change the way in which they live their life and to be faithful to God. Then that's what John calls us to do today. We're called to a new beginning. We're called to start our life anew. We're called to help that knowledge that we have of these sacred events make that difficult course from our mind to our heart and change our lives during this season of waiting so that when Christmas comes two weeks from now and we welcome again Jesus Christ into the world, we will be accepting an opportunity for us to live our life in a dramatically different way that can truly impact the world for Jesus Christ. Isaiah used a wonderful metaphor that he was able to see when he was a captive uh, in Babylon. And he saw how the people took care of their king and how when the king would journey from his kingdom through the desert to visit various parts of his kingdom, a group would go before him to make his journey smooth. And they would fill in those valleys and they would straighten out those crooked courses 
and make sure that he had a safe and easy trip to go to be with his people. And so Isaiah calls out for his people in their own hearts and in their souls to straighten out the crooked ways that you have followed to this point. To fill in the deep valleys that have taken you down into the pits of of despair and rejection and prepare a smooth way for the Messiah to come to prepare for that new beginning. And that's what we're called to do. Many a relationship has been destroyed because of the crooked paths of deception. Many a marriage has been destroyed because of the valleys of infidelity and the hills of self-centeredness. We are called to make those ways smooth. And God is offering us an opportunity for a new life. Today is a beginning for all of us. It makes no difference what your life was like last week or yesterday or two years ago. Today is an opportunity for a new beginning. All you have to do is reach out and accept it and commit yourself to it as Jesus Christ makes it available to us. There's so many things that we can easily do that God will invite us to pray about and to think about. We pray in this church every Sunday that God will feed the hungry. And God tells us he can only feed them through you. You are the one who provide that food. You are the one who sign up for the Meals on Wheels. And take, and take food out to people. God wants that to be done, but he wants it to be done through you. We pray that God will clothe the naked. And yet every one of us have closets in our own houses that are filled with clothes that we have not worn in years. Some of which we don't even like. And wonder why the heck we even bought them. Some still have the price tags on them. I challenge you this morning as one very practical way of accepting this new beginning. Use this week to go through every closet in your house. And any clothing that you have not worn in the past year, take it out. And bring it to Goodwill Industries. Or bring it here to uh, Ambler Hall where we accept clothing and make it available for people. You're sitting on a treasure of clothes that would make a person's life so much different. 
These are things that we need to do. And I challenge you during this week to pray that God will point out to you specific ways in which you can have a new beginning and make a difference in your life. Because today is the first day of the rest of your life. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Amen.